1: Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church.
0: Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church right here in San Antonio, Texas. Now, this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for, and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus said in John 10.10. And we're doing a study in the book of James talking about something you need every day, something God generously gives. It's for the asking, and that's wisdom. And another thing that's guaranteed in this life is that you will struggle. You will have hardships. And how you respond to life's challenges reveals the quality and strength of your wisdom. Pastor Sean is going to coach you today on how to get the wisdom you need, the godly wisdom, so that you can negotiate adversity well when it comes. If you have a Bible nearby, James chapter 1 is where it starts. The message is called Wisdom in Adversity. It's time for Real Life Radio.
1: We're going to talk about wisdom. Today we're actually going to talk about wisdom in adversity. Adversity, And that's one of those things that t- kind of throws people. And so as creative team were talking about it, and there was a particular scene in the movie that kind of just gave voice to the way I think a lot of us feel. So take a look.
0: Well, thank God you're all right. God, yeah, let's thank God, shall we? For his blessings are raining down upon me. Wait, that's not rain! Bruce, please don't do that, honey. You know that everything happens for a reason. That I don't need. That is a cliché. That is not helpful to me. A bird in the hands or two in the bush. I have no bird. I have no bush. God has taken my bird in my bush. Oh, I see. So so God is picking on you? Is that what you're saying? No, he's ignoring me completely. He's far too busy giving Evan everything he wants. Oh, that's great, Sam. But you missed your target. I'm over here! Don't get mad at the dog. It's not the dog's fault. No, it's God's fault. I gave him the wrong coordinates. All right, you know what? No. All right? You just stop being such a martyr. I am not being a martyr. I'm a victim. God is a mean kid sitting on an anthill with a magnifying glass, and I'm the ant. He could fix my life in five minutes if he wanted to, but he'd rather burn off my feelers and watch me squirm. All right,
1: sweetheart, I know that you're mad. It's completely understandable what Evan did is slimy and wrong.
0: But this day could have been so much worse. I'm just glad you're okay. Okay? Newsflash! I'm not okay. I'm not okay with a mediocre job. I'm not okay with a mediocre apartment. I'm not okay with a mediocre life.
1: Ever felt like that? Several of you are like, yes, I feel that way right now. I think we all, I think we've all had times where we just are like, man, what I'm going through is just killing me. And I'm not okay. And so that's why we want to talk about wisdom in adversity. Because I think that's one of those times when we really desperately need it. And we need to be aware of what God wants to give and to say. Now, we began this series with a question, where is the wisdom? Where is it? Because we look around and we see foolishness everywhere. And it really is. It's real easy to see illustrations of foolishness. We talked about financial foolishness, relational foolishness, foolishness in business, foolishness in parenting, political foolishness. It's everywhere. It can make you nuts if you sit and watch the news or you read, read online and you're just like, what are people thinking? How did they think that was going to turn out? You ever had that feeling? You just want to, just like, well, come on. You want to grab somebody and shake them. What did you think was going to happen? You know, we talked about how most people don't want to be a fool. They love wisdom. They'd love to know kind of the right path, but yet they're not sure where to go for wisdom. And so we're walking through the book of James, and last week, remember, we started out and talked about two different kinds of wisdom. We talked about there's a wisdom below, that kind of an earthly wisdom, and it's a type of wisdom, don't get me wrong. But then there's the wisdom from above, and it's totally different. And we started this series with a premise, and that premise was the only true wisdom is God's wisdom. The only true wisdom is God's wisdom. Not that there's not other types of wisdom. But to the degree that they are outside of God's wisdom, they will always fall short, they will always be temporal, and they will always lead us to only limited good fruit. I really just want to encourage you, if you missed last week's message, go online at reallife.org and check it out, because it is foundational to everything that we're going to be sharing over the next number of weeks as we look at reflections on wisdom. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of James. James. The book of James, remember, is called the Proverbs of the New Testament sometimes because there's so much practical wisdom for life. And we, I want to actually cover the same passage of Scripture, at least a bit of it, and then extend beyond as we looked at last week. But we're going to look from a little different perspective. You remember, at verse 2, he picks up and James starts telling us. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. See, James is letting us know that we all face trials and adversity, don't we? I mean, think about it. Sickness, loss of loved ones, financial struggles, work struggles, house struggles, I have a friend in our community group right now going through some stuff with their house, and I'm like, oh my gosh. And they're also struggling with sickness. It's like, man, we're praying for them. Because it's real. It's a big deal. Kids' struggles. Those are sometimes the worst because we love them and care about them so much. And when our kids go through hard times, it's like, ugh, it hurts. Disappointments, discouragements. I mean, I don't need to say this, but we're all going to at some point face some struggle. And if, if you're here and you've never ever face struggle, trials, or adversity. First of all, you're six months old. Why are you here? You should be in the nursery, okay? Or you're totally delusional. I mean, it's just the way life is. And I just want to say to us at the the onset of this, this message, how we face adversity can and will change the entire course of your lives. If you actually get what God wants to give us through adversity, It has such a huge effect on everything else in your life. But if you don't, it can actually send you on a spiral. That also can change the direction of your life. Now James kind of brings about God's provision. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, verse 5, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Notice that the key to understanding adversity or trials is wisdom. I mean, really, I want you to write that down. If you're taking notes, just jot that down on the side. The key to understanding adversity is wisdom. There's something that James is offering us. And I think it's interesting in these early verses the contrast between steadfastness and double-minded instability. Because remember he says the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And listen to what he says in verse 4 about steadfastness. Let, it have, let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect, complete, lacking, and nothing. We'll talk a little more about that in a bit. But he contrasts that to the double-minded or the unstable perspective and approach. For when he stood the test of time, he will receive the crown of life. I love that phrase, the crown of life. Crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin, and when sin, and sin when it is fully grown, brings forth death. By the way, that is always okay. Sin kills everything it touches. If left unchecked, if left unredeemed, it kills everything it touches. Verse 16, he says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. A couple things just to note before we move on. James is acknowledging that we will all face trials. Notice he doesn't say, count it joys, my brother, if you meet trials. He says, when? He says, we all are going to face some type of trials and temptations. God never promised to keep us from hardship. I remember when the Lord kind of called me into ministry. I mean, I knew when I, was a, when I was very young, about 12 years old, that I probably would one day go into ministry. I had that sense in my spirit that God was calling me. But then I kind of went on with my life, and my plan was, many of you know, I was going to be a professional polo player. That's what my family did. I grew up in that, the equestrian sport. I played. I was pretty good at it. It was something that I had a very real opportunity to do, and I really wanted to do that. And then about 19, 20 years old, God starts saying, no, no, now's the time. I want you to walk away from that, and I want you now to follow me in pursuit of ministry. And I've got to tell you, that was hard, because it wasn't just an activity to me. Okay? I'd been raised in it. It's what my family did. My dad, who wasn't a believer, it's what he did and what we shared. And I loved it. And I had to turn my back on that. I had to go to him and say, yeah, I'm not going to continue in this. And um, I, I really feel... And again, remember, he's not a believer. I really feel like God's calling me to follow him and pursue ministry. He thought I was nuts and throwing my life away. Absolutely. And along the, year, along the way throughout the years, I have thought he was right. You know, you just, you know. I have to tell you, at that moment, I kind of had this vision of what was going to happen. It was hard. I'd made this choice. I'd made this decision. And now I know God's going to come through for me. Because I stepped out big time. I risked it big time for him. I knew he was going to have me minister. I was a musician. and I thought, I assume, well, music ministry is naturally what I'm going to do. So he's going to have me singing and playing. He's going to have me to stadiums with thousands of people sharing the gospel. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, but he didn't do that. Then I thought, well, surely he's going to have me share his word with people, and it's going to be this huge thing. It's going to be awesome. He didn't do that either. In fact, my dad was helping me with college at the time, and that kind of, dried up after that severance in our relationship that resulted from that. And so I'm trying to do college. I'm selling insurance. My little brother, who was also preparing to be a professional polo player, he continues on, becomes one of the best players in U.S. history. And has an amazing career playing polo. Kid's been stealing from me since we were just little tiny, see? One of my best friends was going into the Air Force Kind of goes through officer candidate school, becomes a pilot. He literally takes off. And I'm sitting there kind of doing something that I just, just to try to pay the bills and make ends meet. It's like, God, did you forget about me? Everything was hard. Every single thing was hard. And I just felt, you know, ever, ever felt like this? Just put on the shelf and forgotten. God, do you even know I'm here? I left the most important thing in my life because you asked me to. And now I'm stuck over here. I remember when my mother passed away. My mother was a very godly woman. um, Incredible woman of faith. And she had struggled with cancer for years. She'd beat it once and then it came back and she was just had been on chemotherapy treatment just for years. And we had prayed. We prayed for healing. The scripture told us to pray for healing. We did. I'd seen people heal. I truly believed. We prayed. And she passed away. And I'm like, God, what are you doing? You know, and, and I, I understand. I know. I'm a pastor. It's my job to tell people, you know, God, God doesn't always do what we ask. Every, healing is not some Healing isn't a way to kind of avoid death. Okay, we all, one day, will leave this earth. Whether it's in the next five years, whether it's 50 years, we don't know. But we all will. So I know all that stuff. But it's still, when you're walking through it, when you lost someone who was really important to you and to your whole family, it's like, Lord, what are you doing? See, it's not if, but when. And here's a really important thing. God never promised to keep us from hardship. Some of you need to hear that. Some of that, some, for some of you, that may be your big takeaway today. Because you've been disappointed with God. Kind of like Bruce. You've been disappointed because it's like, wait a minute, I became a follower of Jesus. I gave my life to him. I thought it was going to all be, you know, cool songs and warm fuzzies. And it's not. Because God never promised us that we wouldn't have any hardship. And I don't know where that came from. And if some preacher told you one time, it's all going to be glory now, you know, I'm sorry. Sorry, everyone, so I just get real Southern when preaching. It just happens, comes on me. But if someone told you that, I'm sorry they lied to you. The Scripture never says it. James is telling us, when you meet trials, he's prepping us, saying part of wisdom is understanding this life involves hardship. And that's just how it works. We all face trials.
0: And we want to take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church. In this series called Reflections on Wisdom from the book of James, as found on the sermons page at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean.
1: Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church.
0: And back to the message, Wisdom in Adversity, based on the book of James. This is Real Life Radio.
1: And James wants to protect believers from the distortions and misconceptions that often happen in hard times. See, we start looking at the world, the whole world, through the lens of my struggle. Anybody wrestle with that? Everything seems to kind of look through this and be colored by this struggle, this hurt, this disappointment that I'm facing right now. And I start to see the world that way. The wrong things start to look bigger. And the right things actually start to look smaller and distant. And we question, are they even real? See, James is pointing to a gift that God has for each of us. As we walk through the inevitable adversity in life. And that gift is the gift of wisdom. It is the gift of wisdom. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. There is a wisdom that can only be found in the fire of adversity. There is a wisdom that God wants to give that can only be found in the fire of adversity. You ever known someone who, uh, they knew a whole lot, but they'd never been through any serious adversity, and they try to give you advice when you're going through adversity? You ever known someone like that? Not fun, is it? It's like, I know I'm a Christian and I shouldn't punch people, but I, I want to now. I mean, obviously, you know, in the context of my profession, you know, guys who just get out of Bible college and seminary and, they, you know, man, they, they know a lot. And I hear them talk to other pastors who've been down the road more and they hear, oh, no, if you just do this, because remember, I read this and Dr. So-and-so said, and if you'll do this, it'll be great. And it's just like, <laughs> and, and you want to know something that's interesting? Uh, they might be right, actually. Because truth has nothing to do with my experience. Truth exists regardless of my feelings about it, or my opinion, or even my experiences. But I will tell you, if you've never had been through trial and adversity, what you have is you may know some truth, and don't s- short sell that truth. The problem is, there's all kinds of other truth that becomes clear when you actually walk through it. There's all kinds of other truth that comes alive. You see the truth differently. You see related truths. You handle the truth differently. There's a humility that comes in you. There's a, there's a compassion. There's a, a steel in your spine that comes when you've walked through it with the Lord and you've come out. It changes you. There is a wisdom that can only be found in the fire of adversity. I want to real quickly lay out four lessons of wisdom that I believe are taught in adversity. The first, number one, wisdom teaches me to see adversity differently. Wisdom teaches me to see adversity differently. You see, we tend to look at adversity, and we look at it as, it's bad, right? Okay, It's called hardship because it's hard. And so it's a curse. And James comes along and says, yeah, count it all joy. It's not a curse, it's an opportunity. One of the reasons we look at adversity as a curse is because we look at it as permanent. We look at it, we're in the middle of it right now, and it's like, "This is what my life is now." And James, I loved what he said in verses nine through, uh, nine through 11. He says, "For the lowly brother boasts in his exaltation. Let the, lo- let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, and the rich in his humiliation." I'm like, "Wait a minute, but the lowly is low. What are you talking about exaltation? And the rich is, well, rich. That's not humiliating. He goes on and tells us why. Because like a flower of the grass, he, he will pass away. For the sun rises with his scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls, its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. What he's telling us is it's not forever, it's temporary. Whatever place you find yourself in, know in this life, in this world, it's temporary. If you're on top of the hill right now, and you're like experiencing the riches of life, and it's all good, just know adversity comes. And sometimes it it's chooses just whomever, whenever. Don't get caught up in this attitude of, hey man, I've been on a high for a long time. I must have it. I'm doing it better. I got it handled. Because what James is telling us is no, it's, it comes and goes. It's how it works. And conversely, if you are in the midst of adversity and struggle and you would call yourselves among the lowly right now, it's also temporary according to the word. It's not forever. You see, wisdom changes the way we look at adversity. We stop seeing it as everything, and it's just a thing. Paul said in Romans 8, 18, he says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. In 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, he said, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our, listen to what he says, our light and momentary troubles. Your troubles right now, feeling light and momentary? Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. It's eternal. Light and momentary troubles. Uh, Understand, uh, when Paul talks about persecution, when he talks about about suffering, uh, he's not talking about the hot water heater breaking down. Okay? He's not talking about, oh, the car's broken, we've got to drive the old one. Dang. Life is hard. Paul went through actual persecution, beatings, torment over the calling of the gospel that he had. And he looks at them as light and momentary because he's looking at the eternal glory. Understanding, wisdom teaches us to see adversity differently. See, it changes my goal for adversity. You know what my typical goal for adversity is? What I think all of our goal often is, is just get out. Get out of it. And Wisdom changes it from get out to grow. This is an opportunity to grow that I don't have at other times. It changes the way I respond from complain to commit. Okay, God, I'm going to commit to what you want to say, what you want to do, because this is a unique opportunity. I mean, think about it. We sometimes look at people in the midst of adversity, and we would try to save them from it. And I, and I think that comes from a good, compassionate heart. And sometimes we should intervene and help someone. But a lot of times, that's not necessarily this idea of, oh, save them because it must be something wrong, must be something. Uh, Saving someone, sometimes, trying to save them from adversity, is like trying to save a kid from math. Right? I mean, the kid would tell you, this is the most horrible thing in the world. Please, I can't do it. It's hard. And bad parents would go, oh, sweetie, you're right. You don't need to do that. Here, let me rescue you from math. Yeah, we all know you're not doing that kid any favors because there's some things we know he's going to need math. It's like part of the world, it's important. So, you don't save a kid from math, and I want to be careful as we look. And we don't need to try to be always saved from adversity. We just need to understand that God meets us there and he uses adversity to build us up. There's a wisdom that can only be found in the fire of adversity. The second thing, wisdom uses adversity to develop steadfastness. Steadfastness. I love that word. I love the way James says, because the trying of your faith produces steadfastness. And then let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. That's a big concept, a big idea. The word is hypomony, and it's a Greek word, and it means steadfast endurance. Some translations translate it Patience. And that's not a bad translation. I just don't think it's all the colors and connotations of the original word. Steadfast endurance. It's from the same, work that's used, the same word that's used in Luke eleven fifteen, 15, when Jesus is explaining the good soil in the parable of the sowers. He says, as for that in the good soil, the seed in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience or with steadfastness. Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians 1.4, he says, Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you're enduring. And they were enduring real persecutions and afflictions. And he says, we boast about your steadfastness and your faith. There's something solid, immovable,
0: mature. Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Real Life Radio, as next week we'll continue this series on wisdom based on the book of James, which is available right now on demand when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Otama Park, with service times on Saturday nights at 5 and Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life.
1: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He
0: was one of the most respected generals in the military.
1: Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding.
0: He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.